Duke fans, hello and welcome to episode number 221 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Or, well, I guess this week, we're closing out this week and this month by making, at least for one show, this is now the Duke Football Report podcast as some news dropped about what the 2020 schedule will look like if there is a football season. But before we get into all of that, Donald Wine here, your host for this week. I am joined by my friends. First, Jason Evans. How are you today? I'm doing great, Donald. Um, I'm really excited to think about sports. I don't know if it's going to happen, but uh, but we're at least planning for it to happen. And and I actually I know a lot of people think that this is crazy, but I think that's a good thing. So anyway, I I feel like the preparation, the planning, and just like the excitement for planning for the season is going to far outweigh the actual season because it may not happen, <laughs> but at least we can have this excitement for now. And I also bring in my, our, our other friend here, Sam Klein. Sam, what's up? I think I'm not as excited about this whole thing. I, I think I take the, the step back approach and, and say that I see what has happened with Major League Baseball, and, and we talked about that a lot on the last show, and sort of wish that we were having a broader conversation about what reopening schools and having sports looks like. Um, but I think it, it is still worthwhile for us to go through this exercise today of, of looking at the schedule that the ACC put out. And I think probably it would be good for us to, at least I plan to add my own color, not just to discussion about who Duke is playing and what that means and and where the where the program is in 2020, but thinking about how the pandemic and the how the pandemic affects the program and how the various outcomes for how the season might end up being played in the fall, in the spring, split up, things like that, how that also affects the team. Because I think that's just as important as which teams Duke is getting at home versus on the road, which teams get added to their ACC schedule, all the sort of you know normal stuff that I think we're, we would touch on regardless. I, Go ahead, I think it's really telling that that we have launched right into this in a really serious kind of way. Usually we are joking and kidding and we're laughing about our lives and things like that. This is, this is significant news. It is a serious, potentially dangerous, but also potentially really important thing. And, and I'm glad we're giving it the due that it needs. So let's Donald lead us in the discussion, man. Tell us where to go. So it's funny you guys mentioned that because the schedule and how it's being released, you know, we're, this schedule was released back in February, but because of said pandemic, we've had to adjust things. And even the adjustment is going to mean a, an ACC that we haven't seen, at least an ACC season, if it goes off, that we haven't seen in quite a long time, where we have, you know, a bunch of things that are happening that only are happening because this pandemic has kind of put things uh, in hiatus. So let's get right into it. Yesterday, the ACC announced what the football schedule would look like should the football season proceed as planned. And what we're going to do first, we're going to break it all down first, and then I'll bring in Sam and Jason. We will talk about what Duke's part of it, and then we'll take a break and come back and talk about the ACC at large. But first, the season is supposed to start the week of September 7th. Each team will have 10 conference games and one non-conference game for a total of 11. But that non-conference game must take place in the state that the school resides. The biggest news to me are two pieces. First, gone are the conferences. No more Atlantic, no more Coastal, at least for this season. The divisions. You mean gone are the divisions. I'm sorry, the divisions. Yes, correct. Um, 
those are gone for at least this season. We will have one single table. So UNC can't claim a division championship this year because there isn't one. Uh, also, the other big news, Notre Dame is a full part of the ACC, at least for this season. They will have a full 10-game conference schedule, and they will be eligible for the ACC championship, which is supposed to take place if all goes to plan on December 12th or December 19th. While the dates are TBD, we do now know which you know teams Duke will face in the conference slate. So for Duke at home, we have Boston College, Florida State, UNC, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest. On the road, they will travel to take on Georgia Tech, NC State, Notre Dame, Syracuse, and Virginia. And again, they can schedule a non-conference game against a school in the state of North Carolina if they wish. Elon and Charlotte were two games that were on the original schedule for Duke. So one of those games could still happen, but obviously we don't know if either of those teams will be that non-conference game. So Sam, I'm going to turn it to you first. Like I said, we want to discuss the implications for Duke. So what do you think of this schedule for us as we see it so far? I think that Duke suffered. If, if I'm just talking football and, and we're not going to get into the, the broader conversation, let, let's look at the schedule as it is. We don't have the dates yet, so we can't really say here's the hard portion of Duke's schedule. We also don't, I mean, even though the ACC has said it's going to start in early September and they're going to finish in, in mid-December, that they picked two potential dates for the for the ACC championship game. I don't want to rule out the possibility that this all is going to get punted to the spring um, to use football terminology. There you go. But so I just want to talk about the, the opponents a little bit Uh, in the course of during these changes, Duke loses Pittsburgh as an opponent for this season. So Pitt is in the coastal with Duke. We play them every year. Uh, Pitt was, was trending up, I think the last couple of years. And then, and so in their place, we've added Boston College, Syracuse, and Florida State. Um, also, Miami is not being played this year. And, and my, sorry, and, and, and we also lose Miami. Um, we were going to play Notre Dame. We were going to play NC State. We were going to play the rest of the Coastal Division and Wake Forest, as we always do, as the cross-division rivalry. Um, Duke didn't, I, I think if you're looking at the teams that are at the very top of the conference, Duke didn't add or subtract any of those. Miami has been threatening to be that the last couple of years. Florida State has really fallen off um, from losing Jimbo Fisher uh, from a couple of years ago. So I don't think you can look at any of those opponents and say Duke has a markedly harder or easier schedule. Losing the non-conference games against the likes of, of Elon and, and Charlotte uh, hurts Duke in, in the opportunity to, to get back to a bowl game. Um, 10 games really gives you a much thinner margin, especially when they're all against Power 5 opponents. So I think that hurts Duke. Duke's really taken advantage, especially in the last couple of years, in um, really last year where Duke was retooling the offense significantly, being able to get those early non-conference games, even against a good team like Middle Tennessee, has been really helpful for Duke. It's possible that Duke won't get an easy opponent for the first few weeks of the season, depending on the way that they, they schedule all these games. If Duke has to play Notre Dame and, and UNC really early, um, those are going to be two of the toughest opponents. So I think the margin for error for Duke gets a lot smaller. The other thing that concerns me generally about losing the non-conference is that Duke is integrating a, a significant new piece on offense in quarterback Chase Bryce. So if the season is being played in the fall, look for that to be a, a talking point because Bryce got to get on campus in the spring, um, I think, or no, he didn't get to go to on, on campus for the spring because he was still enrolled at Clemson. So the summer was going to be really his his big onboarding to this team. 
if Duke is not able, if Duke has to play in the fall and doesn't get a lot of time right now in the summer, as long as campus is still open, uh, if Bryce doesn't get that that time to make the adjustment, if he has to go right into it in the fall, you're going to hear the coaches, maybe you have to read between the lines, but you're going to hear them talk about how challenging that transition is to bring a new quarterback, not just into the system, but into the program uh, to, to be successful. I do think Duke is still positioned to to make some gains from last year. We, we saw, as we talked about last year, it was going to be a, a big transition year for Duke, given uh, given the loss of Daniel Jones and the fact that Quentin Harris was starting at quarterback. We made great gains on, on defense. A, a lot of guys stepped up on defense, and, and many of them are back uh, for this season. But I think Duke would be better served if the, you know, talking competitively, I think Duke is much better served if the season gets delayed into the spring um, to be able to get the offense to where Coach Cutcliffe envisions it when he went after Chase Bryce as a transfer quarterback. So when it comes to the schedule, I know you talked about, we ha- we don't know dates yet, but what the ACC had mentioned is that they're going to try and figure out how to put games in pods uh, and, and make it so that you're not going to Boston College and then to Miami the next week. They're going to try and make it so you're kind of staying in the region, and that's partially because right now, you know, getting to the serious part right now, there's a lot of states where if you travel there, you have to be there for a 14-day quarantine mandatory. Uh, so and Duke, plays, trying, and, and Duke plays at Boston College and at Syracuse. Both they, are, they host, are in they those host Boston College. They both host Boston College. Oh, sure, sure. At Syracuse, yes. Yeah, right, yeah, so, yeah. so someone's got to travel to and from those states, from Massachusetts Correct. and from New York. And, and, and let's be clear that both Massachusetts and New York have – have laws in place. The governor has dictated that you must quarantine for 14 days. If you're coming from a state that has a high COVID infection rate of which North Carolina is one of them. So I'm not sure the ACC hasn't really said how they're going to get around those, you know, those bans on most of the conference traveling to those Northern parts of the conference. If you're playing at Boston college, if you're playing at Syracuse and you're coming from pretty much any of the Southern States, the law says you have to wait before you can play. You have to wait 14 days. And on top of that, we're looking at that in the last week of July. If you had told us this was the schedule two months ago or three months ago, it might have been flipped around where you would say, oh, teams like Syracuse and Boston College and Pittsburgh are closer to the center of the pandemic now than Duke and North Carolina and Clemson and Georgia Tech are in Miami. Exactly. Yeah. It's totally switched. We don't know as as I think the experts have said throughout this whole experience, we don't know what two months from now is going to look like. States can can do their best to project those sorts of things. But the I mean, just look at the comments from the governor of Florida in April and look at his comments from the last month. The leaders don't really know. Let, let's say that the, the, the Duke Boston College game is scheduled for October. Either of those locations could be could be problematic at that point or both. Yeah. And. I, I sort of feel like I know we, you know, we talked about, you know, oh, bowl games and how do you reach a bowl? And and this this is this is going to throw a real loop in the whole bowl structure. If if we get there, um, you know, it used to be if you went three and five in the ACC, you, you were getting a bowl invite in all likelihood. Um, and, and and now you could go four and six in the ACC. And, and I don't think, you know, you're not going to find your way to a bowl with a record like that. You're going to have to be five and five or better. And and I'm not sure, you know, that, that could there'll be a real problem for the ACC in terms of the number of bowl slots that it's 
slotted to take. So there may be some funging of the rules, but but I think all of that is probably probably close to a moot point. Um, I strongly suspect that we'll we will they will try and get some games in, and, I, and my bet is they'll get some games in. I I, I just don't think we're going to finish up the season, um, at least not continuously. It may be that we get some games in. Um, there are outbreaks that force various teams and perhaps the whole league and all college football to shut down. And then maybe they come back at some point in the future in the spring. Um, it's, uh, you know, the way I see all of this is this is the ACC prepared for if they can play games. And, and I think John Swafford's statement was there were a number of weasel words in there, so to speak. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like he said, you know, we're trying to move forward. We're committed to taking the measures to make sure that everybody's safe and responsible. And he said, we may need to be nimble. We may need to make adjustments and we are prepared. But that this was not him saying, this was not him slamming his shoe on the table and saying, we're having a season, God damn it. This was John Swafford saying, well, if we can pull it off, here's how we're going to try to pull it off. And I think everyone recognizes that that's probably... <laughs> <laughs> there's probably not great odds that they're going to fully pull it off, but I think that being prepared, it's better to be prepared and then adjust those prepared plans than it is to not be prepared. So in that regard, I think the ACC is doing a smart thing. And then I sort of feel like, like I was saying, they'll, they'll get in one or two games and they'll see what happens. Um, and if it's going well, they'll keep going. And if not, they'll adjust. It's sort of like what baseball's doing, you know? baseball's trying to figure it out. We don't know if the Marlins are ever going to play another game, but baseball's trying to figure it out. And, and every, every time they play a game, it does mean money for these schools and, and for these teams. Um, not that money should trump health, goodness gracious. No, no, no. But, but the money does matter. So Donald. Yeah. And really quickly, I think when it comes to Duke, we'll just focus on that as we wrap this part of the segment up. It's interesting when you guys talk about the different things with regards to the coronavirus and just all the little logistics that we have to deal with. The four North Carolina schools are actually in the best position to play the most football because they don't have to leave the state for half the season. You know, they can play, you know, each of each, they're all going to play each other. And, you know, we're playing the other three schools. We have a non-conference game that we can schedule against an Elon or a Charlotte or even an East Carolina. We're not going to be able to do NC Central or NCANT, two teams that we've played in the past, because they move their season to the spring. So we have those. We still have teams that we can play. And if it comes down to, you know, sort of like what baseball is doing, where they're like, hey, just stay at home, play these four teams, and then we'll figure it out along the way when you go to Notre Dame, when you when Boston College comes to see you. At least we have that buffer. Uh, so at least, at least in, from Duke's perspective, they may be able to play more games than just about anybody in the conference because they get to stay at home for most of the season. But when it comes to just the games, like if this schedule goes off as planned, right, the, the furthest trip we go to is South Bend. You know, we don't have to go to Miami. We we go to Virginia. We go to Syracuse. We go to Notre Dame, and we go to Georgia Tech. Other than that, we're staying in state. So Duke, pretty as far as travel is concerned, and those logistics that is the topic of you know conversation in every single sport that we have in this country right now. Duke's having it pretty good because they don't have to leave for most of the season. They can worry about 
whether games can come in, but they don't have to worry about how do you take a, a travel staff of 100 people and players on the road. And, and you know, I want to point out something that I think sometimes gets lost. Um, I'm of the belief that if you are careful, if you wear a mask, if you try to avoid being close to other people, you know, there, there are ways that you can be careful and not catch this disease. Not a hundred percent, but you know, you can you can be you can do a good job of making sure you don't catch it. If the Duke football players, if the Duke football team, all the way from the coaches and trainers on down to the to the walk-on place kicker, if they are uniformly careful, then I think playing football games is a perfectly fine thing for them to do. But they've got to be smart and they've got to be careful. The places where we are seeing problems are places where people are not being careful. It's places where the Florida Marlins are going out en masse to a nightclub and everybody on the team is catching the disease. Those are the kind of things that we are seeing that are problems. So I don't know that they can pull this off, but if there's the right kind of commitment to it, and I think we're seeing that from the NBA so far, I think it can be done. Um, and I think it can be reasonably safe. Do either of you disagree with me on that? I think it can work, Jason. I think in, in like there's like a best version of this where everyone buys in. And I think that's leadership from from, you know, from the very top at Duke. I think that's Coach Cutcliffe being committed to it. I think it's President Price also setting a good example for it, not just among the football team, but among the rest of the university, because the you know, the football players are classmates of people who are not on the football team and the staff interact with people across the athletic department and across the rest of the university, the, you know, the, the training staff are sort of looped in with other things that go on in the hospital system. So it's going to take coach Cutcliffe. It's going to take president price. It's going to take Kevin white all setting that good example. But I think the challenge is that it has to really be done perfectly. And it's not just that we're relying on Duke people to get this right. It's the other teams. And, and the other schools. So if, oh, I, I, if another, I totally agree. And, and I don't know, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on, on any particular university because I, I certainly don't follow what goes on in the administration at Boston College the same way I do at Duke. But I don't know that every university has the, the same level of rigor applied that I think Duke is going to do. I don't know that, that the conference is dictating that. I don't know, you know, this whole thing where the conference is letting schools play one non-conference game. I don't know how that's going to work because as we've talked about before on the show, it doesn't make sense for schools with tiny athletic budgets who may not be able to bring their students to campus to, it doesn't make sense for those schools to carve out a football season of three non-conference games and then just leave it at that. It's, it's just not, it's not worth any of it. So I don't know. Yeah, sure. Duke may want to, get their game with Elon or, or Charlotte back on the schedule. But who says that the leadership at Elon wants to make that happen? Elon probably only gets games against Duke, UNC, and NC State this year if they want to play them or Wake Forest, and that's about it. So you want to put the whole team at risk and, and therefore tons of members of the of the university community. I, I, I don't see a lot of that happening. So while I share your optimism that I think Duke could pull this off and I think UNC could pull this off. I don't know that the whole conference can do it. And unlike in baseball, where right now they're sort of having this crisis of leadership, and and as we talked about, half of one of the teams are infected with COVID, and they still haven't 
you know, bang the gong on the season. They've, they've canceled a few games, uh, but they're still ultimately going forward with it. I don't think that the ACC or other Power Five uh, conferences are going to be able to withstand that kind of damage to one of if if 30 football players get sick at University of Iowa, you think the Big Ten is going to keep playing football? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see it. So to answer your question, Jason, yes, they can absolutely get this done. Will they get it done? Absolutely not. Why? I turn to our friend, Sam Klein's buddy, Sean Doolittle of the World Champion Nets. He said that sports is basically the dessert that we haven't earned yet, that America hasn't earned yet. We are asking for dessert in college football, and we have not sat down to even touch our salad. And we're still asking for dessert. That's what is going on right now. And the big, problem hey, is – Hey, hey, big shout-out to fellow red-bearded gentleman, Sean Doolittle. <laughs> He's the Huge man. fan of his. He's the man. Love that guy. But really, I mean, here's the other thing that's going to – you know, that I think is going to happen, right? In the spring, if you recall, right when the ACC tournament was about to start in high gear, it was the Duke-NC State game that was going to be canceled because Duke was like, I, we're not coming. And right off the bat, as soon as that happened, Duke said, we're not going to the NCAA tournament either. I see this happening. And, and Duke has been out in front as far as the ACC is concerned with a lot of this stuff, whether it be Black Lives Matter or the coronavirus or just how they handle schooling and, and, and education in the ACC as this pandemic has gone on, they have been out in front. I foresee a scenario where come a couple weeks from now, Duke is going to make a hard decision and they're going to say, are we doing this or are we not doing this? If we're going to do it, here's how it's going to happen. I don't think they're going to limp into the season and say, oh, let's see how it goes. If it's one of those situations, I I don't want to guarantee it, but I feel confident in saying that the administration that we have and maybe a couple other schools will say, nope, we're done. This ain't happening. Continue without us. And I think that's where we're headed right now. And I think that's where this this wait and see thing is happening. I think there are enough programs, enough schools like that, that will recognize that, which is why I still think that that spring football is more likely than than football in fall. Yeah. The only thing I would say about it is, when Duke said that in basketball, everyone had to listen because they were Duke. If Duke says it in football, no one. Has I'm to not listen. sure that Clemson and Florida State and a couple of the other big football programs in the ACC listen. And I am damn sure the SEC and the Big Ten probably aren't listening. They have to make that decision on their. Duke could force that decision. Not that we, you know, super forced it, but but to some extent, Duke could force that decision because of our power in basketball. We do not have that same kind of power in football. Everyone knows that. Um, and and I think a lot of these schools are somewhat hell-bent on trying to play as much college football as they can in the fall. There's there's a major revenue part of all this. And, and I want to be clear about what I was saying earlier. I'm not saying I think it'll work out fine. I'm saying it's possible. I don't know. And in fact, I'm, like you guys, I'm pretty skeptical that everyone will treat things the way that needs to be treated to make it work out fine, but I'm saying it's possible. And so that's why I think the ACC's decision to at least begin to move forward, to have a schedule and try to figure things out, I think it makes sense. Yeah, to, to move forward, you got to have a plan. And it's good that they have a plan. The plan plans can always change, but it's good to have that plan in, in the meantime, we're going to pause here. We'll take a quick commercial break. 
On the other side, more on the football schedule and how the rest of the ACC, including Notre Dame, shapes into this. Back after this. We are back on the DBR podcast. We're talking about the new conference football schedule. And Sam, I want to turn to you because I want to talk about Notre Dame. Notre Dame for 2020 is, as I mentioned, is considered a part of the ACC. They have 10 conference schedules. They're playing a full conference slate of games, and they're going to be eligible for the ACC championship game. But perhaps more importantly, given some of the topics we've had on financials uh, in the ACC and college football lately, they are also going to get a full share of the ACC pile of TV money. Now, the money that they get from their home games on NBC is supposed to be added to that pile, but we are now splitting up the football pie 15 ways instead of 14. What do you think of Notre Dame being a part of the schedule and most importantly, getting that full share of football money after all these years? So you actually mentioned the reason why I think this works out well for the ACC, which is that it's not just that Notre Dame gets to dip into the ACC's pot, but the ACC gets to dip into Notre Dame's pot. And when we talked previously about ACC Network and and, and all these revenue deals, um, we said that, you know, you got to think of each individual member of the conference's contribution to that to that overall pie. If Notre Dame is part of the conference with their NBC deal, they are contributing way more than they are taking out. So as a as, as a pure money thing, this is actually a great thing for the ACC and, and for Duke and for all the other programs to have Notre Dame on board. I, I think we we said recently that we were kind of speculating about whether Notre Dame would ever join the, the conference as a full member. And I said, if Notre Dame's joining a conference, they're going to join the Big Ten because there's just more money there. So far, the, the, the Big Ten is a has basically always been a bigger moneymaker, at least in the modern TV era. The Big Ten has been a bigger moneymaker than the ACC is. That's just a, a fact, Donald, I think that you mentioned about them having more alumni, bigger footprint, all that kind of stuff. Notre Dame being a member of the ACC for this season is actually a, a bit of a windfall for Duke and the other programs because that NBC deal is so big for Notre Dame. It's why Notre Dame stays independent. So that's actually a, a great thing for the ACC. Uh, I think it, it it brings more money to ACC football. And I think that it also, because it's Notre Dame, lends a little bit more legitimacy to it. I think the national conversation around ACC football the last few years has been, well, it's Clemson and a bunch of other teams you don't care about. And there are other programs that have that have sort of popped up occasionally. Florida State years ago, Louisville has been good a few times. Miami has kind of knocked on the door. Uh, you know, the, the coastal, the entire coastal division is is constantly turning over. I think having a, a Notre Dame in the schedule this year brings a little bit more legitimacy to the ACC. Now, can we? Can I finish the, the serious part and and get to the to the salty bitter part? I haven't decided yet if I want Notre Dame to get spanked in the ACC championship game, to lose by a little bit in the ACC championship game, or to tie with another second place team and just barely miss the ACC championship game this this season. But Maybe one of you has a has a better idea of the sort of a, the best way much, to kind of stick it in the side of the Irish. I have a I have a great idea for the Irish. They can lose every game, as far as I'm concerned. They, in <laughs> fact, they can schedule a game against Indiana or Purdue or or IUPUI or some or Butler if they have a football team, and they can lose that game too. Lose every game. That that's the Michigan in me. We grew Man, up. I was a Michigan fan. Donald Wine here. Look, 
we're consistent. Just lose every game. I mean, that's how it is. They keep ducking Michigan, and then they then they sometimes get beat, and then they duck them again. This year, the the pandemic allows them to not have to duck them. So just go ahead and lose all the other games. We don't care. Hey, Notre Dame's made a, a, a national championship more, much more recently than Michigan has. So obviously they got don't, spanked. Don't in that worry game, about. But don't worry about. Don't worry about. Old, why are we talk about old stuff? We we just talk. We talk about the present. We talk about the pandemic. Jason, get into this. Talk. Get, you know, we're, we're just talking so, here. Yeah. So the thing about Notre Dame is. Um, their deal with NBC was incredibly lucrative when they signed it in 2013. Let's repeat that. They signed this deal, their TV deal in 2013. They get paid $15 million a year, which in 2013 was big, big money. It's 2020 now. And compared to the other media rights that the ACC has through ESPN and other entities, 15 million, it's okay, but it's not that great. So Notre Dame being, I mean, it's paying a cup is paying a couple light bills, but it ain't paying for the house mortgage. No, exactly. So Notre Dame being added to the ACC pool probably means that the rest of the ACC teams take actually a little bit less, not a little bit more. And it probably means Notre Dame, Notre Dame takes a little bit more than they would have under their old NBC deal. That said, I'm excited for this because, you know, you guys, we've, we've discussed this and uh, Sam, I think you alluded to it. You're of the belief that Notre Dame goes to the Big Ten if they decide to join any conference in football. I think that things like this continue to push them toward potentially joining the ACC permanently in football. And that would be a windfall. The, the, the deal that Notre Dame has with NBC is old. And, and when the time comes, when Notre Dame joins the ACC fully, if they ever do, the ACC will, will renegotiate. Believe me, they will renegotiate their TV deal and it will be more lucrative for the rest of the conference to have Notre Dame included as well as more prestigious and, you know, guarantee sort of our importance in the grand scheme of things, because Notre Dame is a very important football program. So I think the fact that they are being fully integrated into the conference this year is a really good thing for the ACC in the long term, And I think it helps pave the way, if not paved, we're at least putting stones down on the path that leads to Notre Dame becoming a full member of the ACC. Well, their schedule is also, it's not easy, right? Like they, I'll just go through their, their slate of games that they have listed at home. They're going to face Clemson, Duke, Florida state, Louisville, and Syracuse. And on the road, they go to Boston college, a traditional rival, Georgia tech, UNC Pitt, and wake forest. So I think the road roadmap might be a little hard, but uh, a little easy, but their home slate is actually pretty difficult when it comes to the ACC. They face a lot of those teams that they probably are like, mm, would have would have not wanted to face them. So I think in that regard, if it does lead to them having to S or get off the pot, cook or get out of the kitchen, as we've discussed before, and that's fine. Uh, I, I might hate them a little less. I think I hate them because they they think that they can walk around and just take from here and take from there. And that's kind of what the ACC is doing right now when it comes to the schedule. They're letting them just, you know, pluck and choose what pick and choose what they want. This hopefully will lead to the fact where they say, hey, if you next time there's pandemic, we ain't going to be asking. We're going to be telling you this is what's going to happen. And at that point, when their schedule, when their TV contracts up, you're also going to see, I think it ends right around the time that this college football playoff is up for renegotiation. And I guarantee you that the power five is going to try and do that. Their deal goes, by the way, Donald, their deal goes through 2025. So that's when 
uh, Notre Dame will sort of be free. Um, although I, I think things could happen sooner than that. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We just don't know how it's all going to turn out. Yeah, the and I think the college football playoff at this point runs through 2024. So it's right around that window where they're going to know either we're renegotiating or we're trying to find a conference, whether it be the ACC, the Big Ten, or somewhere else. I, I, I dearly hope that we have a vaccine and we're back to normal by 2024, 2025. Oh, my God, please. I was going to say that by 2024, we know a lot more, one, obviously, about the pandemic, uh, but also about how the various streaming services have have fared in the in the war for people's eyeballs. So NBC Sports, NBC is is launching its own its own streaming network and probably adds Notre Dame football to the rest of the Peacock lineup. But if they whether they choose to to keep going with that is a question for two, three years from now, something that, that we don't really know yet. Okay, guys, I we we talked about Duke, we talked about the ACC, we talked about Notre Dame. Uh, and I think that's enough to leave it here for episode 221 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are going to be back next week, most likely to recap the restart of the NBA season, which, as we're recording today on Thursday the 30th, begins tonight. If you have topics you wish to have us discuss, always send us an email to dbrpodcast at gmail.com or just respond on the forums whenever we post this episode. We're always happy to consider new topics. But until next time, for Jason Evans and for Sam Klein, I am Donald Wine, and now it is time for the Duke Band to take us home. And wear your masks. <laughs>